this latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast. Monday morning and I'm joined as always by Kevin Blake and Tony Calvin and we don't have a lot of racing to discuss and we're not a football podcast. If we were, we could go on an hour-long deep dive into the World Cup but unfortunately that is not our remit. So instead, we have just got quite a lot of news to cover. Low racing week, Kevin, but high on news, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, geez, a few um, a, a few bummy bombshells, I suppose, um, and and so some nice bigger picture stuff as well. So yeah, looking forward to it now. That's to get stuck into VBR. Yeah, I would agree with that, Tony. Um, like I say, not a lot of racing on, but the news that we're going to discuss some surprising stuff in there, some not so surprising stuff. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, my kind of show this week, getting stuck into the nitty gritty, some industry issues, some. Some news stories and yeah, it's a good cross section. We've um, we've whittled down the questions to to five this week to give them more time, and I think we've got some decent ones to go out as well. Yeah, exactly that. So without further ado, let's get started. And where better place to start than Retirement Central? Retirement Central over in the racing world. Um, both Frankie Dettori and Davy Russell have announced their retirement, both in very, very different ways. Let's start first and foremost with Frankie, who went on ITV Racing's opening show on Saturday morning and announced that in 11 months' time, he will be retiring from the saddle. So essentially giving everyone an 11-month heads up that this is going to be his last season riding and he's going to embark on a sort of farewell tour of world of the world's horse racing scene essentially he'll be riding in lots of different jurisdictions for lots of different people and he's going to really enjoy himself and this is going to be his last season at the age of 52 um kevin let's come to you first to start with were you surprised by the news um no not surprised like he kind of i think he'd kind of been essentially saying it for a little while hadn't he without being specific so I don't think it was a, a huge surprise. Uh, and look, there's been plenty of, it's, I suppose it's, you call it a mixed reception, you know, there's just been a bit of uh, Mickey taken as well, hasn't there, about the kind of the, the, the is there any need for it, etc. I actually don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think, look, these jockeys spend their lives not being able to enjoy the moment a lot of the time because, they, you know, they win a big race and more often than not, they have to sprint into the weighing room and, and, and uh, weigh in and weigh out again for another race, you know, 20 minutes later, and they don't get, and, you know, then you're on to the next race, the next, the, ne- the next card, the next day, et cetera. And they don't get enough time, I think, to, to kind of take a deep breath and enjoy it. And um, Frankie is going to, I'd say, very much enjoy the coming year. And um, and he's earned it. You know, McCoy had a, had a not dissimilar thing when he retired. He gave everyone plenty of notice and uh, he was able to get his send-offs along the way. And it was nice. People were able to come out and uh, shoulder appreciation, et cetera. And it'll be the same for Frankie. And um, like I say, God, he's earned it. You know, he's been the face of a sport for, for so long. Um, and, you know, he's ripe old age now, but he's still riding very well. And um, I wouldn't begrudge him at all now. I, I'm, I'll, um, I think it'll certainly, it, it'll certainly lead to a massive European contingent going over to Santa Anita um, next November. I'll certainly try to be there myself because that, that'd, be a, that'd be a great stage to see him off. Yeah, exactly. And look, there has been a lot of sort of cynical comment about this whole, did he really need to announce it 11 months in advance, Tony? But for me, I think it, I think it's brilliant. I'm all for it. I think it's given everyone, as Kevin said, a chance and an opportunity to get to where they want to get to, to say goodbye to him. He's going to really enjoy it. It's great for the sport. It's great publicity. We'll all be able to give him the big send off he deserves. And 
he was never just going to announce that he was going to retire next week. It's Frankie the Tory. And for all, as Kev says, AP McCoy, he announced, um, was it Newbury that he was going to retire at the end of the season? So a good few weeks in advance. But and that's that all it was. <laughs> I remembered it as a few it was, months uh, maybe Rishi him after he won, I think, the yeah. Denver trace. Sorry, the yeah. bet. Ah, yeah. Uh, and he said, there you go. And he obviously retired at the end of the season, so it was not like for Rankies at all. For AP, he did that because he knew that you know he probably wouldn't have liked the fanfare, but he knew that being AP McCoy, he couldn't just go out on a one day retirement, you know, just out the blue. And so he gifted the racing public and the racing media and the wider media those six or eight weeks or whatever it was. And the Tories gifted us 11 months, and I'm delighted about it, but you're not, Tony. No, no, look, I, <laughs> I can't, I really, really couldn't care less either way. Um, <laughs> and, and that's it. If you go on, you know, social media and ask questions, I think that's the basic reaction we've got. I mean, the first question we had was from a John O'Neill just saying, does he really need his ego massage for the next 11 months? And yeah, you can see where he's coming from because it is a little bit self-indulgent, isn't it? And um and, and you know, we've been here, you know, before we with Frankie to a degree, I'll come on to in a moment. But yeah, I mean it's I just think Frank Frankie is a very different person in public as he is in private. You know, I wouldn't say it's a kind of like the demarcation that kind of like someone like John McCreer can, because obviously he came alive in front of a camera and he would be head buried in a in a form book or you know looking at the betting in in the press room beforehand and he was like chalk and cheese and there's certain elements of frankie about that he can be very tetchy and uh, away from the cameras and stuff like that so i just think he might might have made a rough for his own back here because it's going to be a tedious 11 months i mean it might be all right on the big days the, the you know the the derbies the oaks the royal ascots the breeders cups but you know, day in, day out, I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, he's going to be singing the same tune every single day. And I think he might find it a bit wearing, but I've got no massive issue about it. But um, we had another question about, uh, we'll say that for Davey, actually, because that would be more, more relevant there. But do you all remember, and I was thinking about this last night, do you remember there was a time four years ago when everybody in the racing media uh, Massiles on the day of Massiles Derby at Epsom. Oh yeah, we're yeah. all getting everybody, every single racing journalist to a man and woman. We're all getting ready for his retirement because there was math. It was I won't actually say what the what the gossip was because it obviously didn't come to be true. But everybody on the day of the Derby in the press room were talking about is Frankie going to be kaput by the end of the day? And I remember. I wasn't obviously working, you know, I was only just like freelancing as well, but I was there as a guest of uh, a guest of somebody. And I remember a couple of journalists come out to me and said, you know, what's what's going on here? Have you heard what I've heard? I said, yeah, because someone who would know told me the day before on the Friday, 101, he was going to retire on the Saturday, whether by his means or not. Uh, and nothing come to it. That would be the biggest mystery uh, that, that something happened there or, or didn't happen there. But like I said, it's the press have had this story written for four years. That's all I'm trying to say. Is, uh, and uh, like I said, if he wants to go out on a farewell tour, you know, maybe monetize it, maybe 
Um, you know, people have been talking about maybe a Netflix series, and you'd know more about that, Vanessa, whether it'd be marketable to the, you know, to the wider sporting public and non-racing public. Um, yeah, it's like I, I haven't got a massive, uh, a massive, you know, opinion on it, but I would say is I do think he might have made a roll for his own back. Well, the other um Obviously, when my dad made the film about him, um, which was a couple of years ago now, uh, sort of, yeah, a couple two years ago, um, everyone, because dad had made the film about AP and AP had announced his retirement in the AP McCoy film, a lot of people were rife with the rumour that at the end of the film, it was going to be his last season riding and that retirement was on the agenda. Um, that was never behind the scenes. That was never, ever, ever the case. That was never something that was spoken about or well, I think it might have been discussed, but as in it was never discussed as a as an option for an ending to the film. That was not what the film was about. Um, if you haven't seen the film, do watch it. It's very good. Oh, yeah. Insight. <laughs> It's very good. Never, never miss an opportunity. <laughs> and you get an insight into what Tony's talking about there, about the man in front of the camera and the man behind the camera. Uh, I think he's going to really enjoy his farewell tour. He wouldn't have announced it otherwise. And I'm going to really enjoy following it. I might change my tune by the derby next year when, for the 18th million time, we're announcing, oh, Frankie's like... I haven't watched that, so I don't know... Well, I, I've been out of Frankie. Why have you not watched that? I, I, look, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll rectify it. But... Thank you. Be supportive, Tony. Come on now. Um... Give me a link and I'll watch it later. But um, yeah, I, I, I've been out with Frankie, you know, a, two, a, a couple, a few times. Um, ah, you know, after racing and stuff like that. And he's, like I said, he's, and I don't know whether he came across that in 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 the in the story that you're, you're referring to that your dad made, but. God, it's gonna be every, you know, it's it's just like I said, it's it's gonna be terrible. But I I would really like to know is it's who actually engineered that being broadcast on on ITV on Saturday afternoon after we've lost Lingfield and Chelmsford. Whether or not Jason Weaver might have rang up Frankie and said, "Oh, now might be a good time to get some PR or Frankie's PR team," or whether ITV. Uh, uh, but you know, obviously. It's kind of someone saw an avenue there. Nothing going on, you know. ITV got an hour show, nothing to fill it with. No racing. They had the they had the chat the previous week about you know the jump season with AP and Ruby. You got a really you got a blank hour to fill, and I just wonder. I just wonder the dynamics of of that being announced. I'd like to know the truth. Well, I I I presume his manager Pete Burrell will have had a lot to do with that, and I. I mean, obviously that meeting was only cancelled on Saturday morning. Yeah. And I think my dad rang me to tell me that he was going to announce his retirement on Wednesday. So well in advance. So like he knew, I like people knew that that was happening on IT. Right, so basically they brought it forward five days. Why Why do you, what do you mean? Oh, I, I'm sorry, you, you heard they were going to announce Frankie's retirement this Wednesday. No, no, no. Sorry. Last Wednesday, I dad rang and said that he had been told, I presume by Pete Burrell or Frankie, like he'd be he'd be close to the team and said, just so you know, keep this under your hat, but this is going to happen on Saturday on ITV Racing. So it All was, right, so it was well known. All right. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So it was planned well in advance, is what I'm saying. I, I haven't read any article, so I don't know if that's come out, but if that's 
if that's revelatory news, that's all good. Yeah. Like I said, uh, yeah, no, it was just, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't just the fact that they had a blank afternoon. So they decided to, they, they kind of, they, yeah, that was, it was definitely planned well in advance in the week that that, and then obviously yeah. the meet, with the meetings being called off, it actually just provided the perfect situation for ITV, but that was only coincidental because they knew they were going to do it anyway. Now, now so these, gonna... these, these lads are very conscious of timing though, aren't they? They've, they've got a, this team has a track record for timing, been all important and being calculating because I, I think history has forgotten it a little bit now it's a slight 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 sidetrack but you remember when Barney Curley landed I forget was it the three when he got the three out of the four or the four out of the four but the day that happened was the day Frankie came back from one of his bands and all all the media attention was obviously on Frankie's return that day. And that was the same day that his great, great friend, Barney Curley, went for one of the biggest touches of all time. And I will never, ever believe that that was a coincidence. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I'm a big believer in life that timing is, is everything. Timing is everything. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Cause we've got loads to get through uh, because we can go to the other end of the retirement spectrum and pick up Davy Russell. Just rides a winner in Ireland in his hometown, not hometown actually, but where he, you know, he wanted to announce a winner, obviously on a winner in Ireland. And he jumps off and he says, that's my last ride. And I'm retiring from the saddle from now. And job done. <laughs> Happy days. See you later, Davy Russell. I mean, you couldn't get two different ways to announce a retirement. And uh, I was not surprised. Again, how can you be surprised when someone's at that stage in their career? But I was... I was I was asked on Sky Sports yesterday about it. I and I said I was pleased and sad in equal measures. Sad because he's one of the great nat natural horsemen in the saddle. He's a joy to watch and he's a real character of our sport. And as you guys know, I'm just worried that characters are being pushed out of life in general. So I'm sad to see him go on that front, but I'm delighted to see him go in one piece. I think it was a general consensus and concern that people were worried that he would retire um, because he had to due to injury. He's the sort of person who would keep riding for as long as he can. I think a lot of people were worried about that. So the fact that he's going out happy and healthy and on a winner, um, I think there's a great sense of relief, Kev. Yeah, um, look, I was shocked, to be honest. I was very surprised by the timing. But when you think about it, you know, it is Davy Russell down to a T. Um, mm. Like you say, he is, he is a very different human. Um, and I suppose people that just kind of watch wouldn't necessarily have a full insight to it. Like he's a very different guy, like a real character in the in the truest sense, very much his own man. Um, and, and like you now, I, I to be honest, I, I had that concern for quite a while. Like since he came back from that last injury, that neck break, that was horrendous. And like we all watched him um, here in Ireland. Like he was, you know, originally, I think it was it happened in October time. 2020 I think and he was hoping to get back for Cheltenham didn't happen hoping to get back for Aintree didn't happen Galway didn't happen it was just taking so long and it, you'd see him you know at the sales or whatever and like he wouldn't be moving well like he clearly couldn't turn his head like long time after the injury and um, he did I must dig, dig it out actually he did an interview in RTE um, alongside Ruby and a couple of uh, one or two others, maybe. And they were just talking about um, jockeys retiring. And Russell was kind of looking at Ruby. This was post Ruby retiring. And Russell was looking at Ruby and basically talking as if he was a lunatic. 
like how could you walk away when oh, you were yeah, fine like how, yeah, how, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand how you could do that like like I, I, I think I can get back and I'm going to get back because you know I, I think I can like how could you leave it behind you um, and you, you, you watch that and you're like yeah you're, you're mad and you just fear that like you say he, he'd, be, he'd be carried off the track and, and retirement will be forced upon him um, you know, with, with a young family, like a big young family, etc. You're just on a personal level. You're kind of concerned that he 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 needs to be saved from his own kind of madness. But so that that's what made that's what made it shocking to me. You know, very Davy to do it at Turles on a Sunday. You know, a, a, a normal human would say, "Geez, would you not wait until Leopardstown or Christmas?" You know, you could potentially write a Grade One winner and have a have, have fifteen or eighteen thousand people there to give you a a wild send off. But um, but Turles would very much be be, be Davy seen, you know those would be his people, you know bread and butter national hunt people, you know ordinary people that that that'd be that'd be his thing that'd be that'd be Davy seen, and doing it there I'd say very much appeal to him personally, um and it's sad you know geez gifted writer, you know uh, for for a long long time now geez incredible writer and like you say Vanessa one of the very few big characters and I say that like I, for me Frankie Dettori is a personality you know David Russell is a character like he, he he's different and yeah. and we don't like the, and we, we often talk about it like I think young jockeys and young trainers nowadays it's almost like they're taken into a room and have the personality beaten out of them you know before they come to prominence and this notion of that you need to be polished and media trained and you know never make a slip up in front of the camera like Davy was cut from a different claw different era and we just don't get them now and look maybe maybe some personalities will reveal themselves now because you, you can imagine the change in the weighing room the irish one especially because you have some very kind of dominant big personalities all having left quite quickly you know davy ruby Barry Garrity, you know, Tony McCoy, a little bit further back, uh, Robbie Power, you know, all these senior, senior guys have all left all of a sudden. And in personality terms, there's a big void there. And maybe some of these young fellas will, will come out of their shell a bit more and show us a bit more personality and character. Um, I sincerely hope they do. I don't think we'll have another Davy Russell, maybe ever, in personality terms. But um, all you can do is wish him well. Delighted he's finished on his own terms. Um, you know, a lovely young family there. And I hope it, I hope he takes well to retirement. You know, always a concern with, with, with jockeys. Um, but uh, I, I know he enjoys the trading horses and, and being involved in the hands-on um, point of view. So hopefully he, he really he gets a good kick out of that and enjoys his retirement. He's well earned it. Absolutely. I know that um, some people have a discussion with a pal of mine that says that Paul Townend doesn't get the recognition he deserves. And we say that, you know, Davy Russell is the last of the really like the golden era of jockeys. But his point is that Paul Townend is as good as any of those lads you've just rattled off there, Kevin, mm. but he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. And I, my argument is because he doesn't, you know, off the, out of the saddle, he doesn't get his personality across. So people don't latch on to him in the same sort of way that they did the likes of the Ruby Walshes, the Barrys, the APs, and the now Davy Russells. Um, because I think having that character out of the saddle is important for likability of course it is you know we can all appreciate a good ride but we want people to give us something in the written word and the spoken word in the press because that's how you form a connection with the sporting public Tony it will be absolutely gold dust when I mean like I know 
you know, RTE and ITV and, you know, racing channels are all washed with ex-jockeys, but you'd want him there, wouldn't you? Whenever you see him interviewed, there's always a kind of some kind of like, you don't know what you get. There's some brooding menace there, isn't there? And, you know, yeah. if you ask him a question, you probably, with with most people, you're, you're pretty sure what you're going to get. But with him, you know, I, I think there's going to, you ask him a, ask him a stupid question and, or, yeah, or, 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 or on a, on a, on a touchy subject, then, he, he's gonna he's gonna bite back and give you give you something really kind of like box office. So I think you know he I I've only seen him you know interviewed a few times and but he did a really good uh, road to Cheltenham with Lydia and Ruby uh, a, a couple of weeks back and you know they those two dovetail really well. So I imagine as with Frankie, you know I imagine you know they're going to be you know they're going to be you know sought after by by the tv companies so uh, and rightly in his case i mean again it's not it's not a massive shock I mean, it might have it might have been a shock as regards they kept it quiet because it seems obviously they had the press release was written by bill esdale and well, i'm assuming it was bill esdale and only a lot of you know the owners knew that you know that horse won he was going to retire there and then but again we the stories were written back you know there was the talk everywhere was that if Tiger Roll would have won at Cheltenham in March, then he would have got off and said, that's it. Mm. So this is, again, um, it's been coming for a while uh, with this. But, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of his. We, we did have some kind of, like, questions. They're a bit harsh about saying, you know, I can't have him because he punched a horse in 2017. Very similar to Frankie. People bring out Frankie's, you know, he's not a role model, done for cocaine, etc. But... I think you'd be very, very harsh to be uh, to be throwing those around at this point. You know, everyone knows that you know they're a better person after they die, or the better person after they're retired. But uh, I don't think they're particularly relevant in these cases. That was JP who answered that who asked that question. Okay, um, that's the retirement section of the show done and dusted. <laughs> Big chunk. Well, well, unless, unless Tony or you have an announcement, Vanessa. <laughs> no, not, not for me. I thought about it myself, but I still give it another year. The biggest the greatest retirement news would be that if uh, Jeremy Clarkson just packed his bags after his career <laughs> ending in the sun on Saturday. That would be yes. that, that would be a welcome hat trick. Oh, oh, <laughs> um, Tony, let's move on to the BHA's whip consultation steering group because more news from them this week that they're doing. I don't think they want to call it a U-turn as such, but they have. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, they wouldn't. They don't, do they? Let's be honest. But um, basically, they have reopened up lines of communication in regards to the new whip rules that are being brought in next year, February next year. Um, as we've covered on this podcast, there were some grumblings in the last sort of 10 days, two weeks from the jockeys about the new whip rules, specifically about the forehand backhand position and use of the whip, not so much the number of times they're allowed to strike a horse with the whip, but more the way they strike the horse with the whip. Um, a lot of jockeys not happy. And as a result, the BHA are go well, the whip consultation group is going to, you know, as I say, reopen up the lines of communication. They released the statement, uh, some of it included. In the past few days, however, further rep representations have been made 
to the BHA, including some themes which were not raised as part of the initial consultation or technical discussions. In light of this latest information, the BHA and the chair of the WIP consultation steering group have agreed to continue dialogue to explore options that address the concerns being raised. There's obviously lots of other guff in there too, TC, but um, that's sort of the gist of it. And as you, I think, rightly predicted a week ago, um, changes are going to have to be made because the people who are being told to use the whip in the way that the steering group have told them are not happy. And if that's the case, it's not going to work, is it? Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember, these are only the jump jockey chiming in at the moment. Um, yeah. I said last week it was odds on there'd be a change uh, because I've seen some correspondence, correspondence with the, from the BHA after flat jockeys raised their concerns in mid-July and they were making no bones about this, that this wouldn't work and this would have to change. So this should come as no surprise to anybody at the BHA. It should come as no surprise to anybody on that WIP, WIP consultation group. And, you know, it, it seems inevitable that there's going to have to be changes, whether there'll be strikes or whether the you know the backhand forehand position is, is obviously the main the, the main bit of contention but yeah I mean it's just I mean obviously you look at the makeup of that that WIC consultation group and you know you should have I mean the, I, I don't know what's fall, fallen down here but something clearly has um I saw I deliberately watched the opening show on, on um, Thursday morning because I knew Tom Scudder was going to be on and he came across as very, very reasonable. Um, you know, he, he's a very likable individual, always works in, in circumstances like that. But something is, you know, he could have been pressed a lot more about, you know, what act, what actually gone wrong because this hasn't filtered down. The, this hasn't filtered down. And like I said, they have to address this now because it's only going to get worse when it comes to the flat. And I, I beg to mention it last week, actually, because... When I was speaking to jockeys, I mean, I did an article with Nico and I, I spoke to Ryan um, offhand about this and uh, for a long, long time. Uh, I won't go into actually what he said there was, but one of the things he did mention was, and this is when it when it when something impacts directly on the finances of the sport, then the BHA have to sit up uh, and listen. He made a point, he said, obviously Ryan rides all around the world. He just said, you know, if you don't get your whip, you know, your your attitude to the whip, concrete. He said, Hong Kong punters in Hong Kong and the like, they will not tolerate a jockey putting their whip down or having it in a backhand position and not seeing to be trying. And that will have a, you know, with the whirlpool being pushed now on the flat throughout that and bringing in welcome tens of millions finances into sport and to race courses. If that is actually kind of like, endangered by this kind of like these whip changes then that will really you know people are going to have to you know just sit up and take notice and I think that's what they have done here um I think like I said I think this is only the tip of the iceberg because this would really this would really impact um on the flat more maybe more so than the jump so yeah I I, I don't know it's obviously an embarrassment I mean you you've got a 15 strong panel there um uh, of the BHA and you, I'm not having a pop here but you, you'll tell us how these things have been because you're both on committees in Ireland and, and England about how those how is it by invitation that these these people are put on the panel and things like that it, but it is it clearly an embarrassment and they'll have to do a U-turn 
there'll be changes to forehand, backhand. There might be changes to the number of strikes, but um, the sooner they get this sorted, the better, because if it lingers on till January, February, uh, just before Cheltenham, that's that's got obvious drawbacks here. But I mean, it'd be interesting to know from from you for yourselves how these panels are decided. Is it by do you put yourself forward or is it by invitation? Well, I personally um, was had a dis- uh, like a discussion with a friend who works at the BHA, and that's how the process started for me. He then got back to me and said, "Would you be interested in being on the Jumps Race Pattern Committee?" To which I said, um, "I wasn't sure," and there was a sort of lot of back and forward about what it would entail, and then it went from there. And then it was obviously a sort of not interview process, but I guess type of interview process that I went through essentially. I, I spoke to somebody who, who sat on these panels and he just said, look, people give up their own time. You know, they don't get, don't get any money for it. It's no real, you don't do it for monetary reward. You are, you know, effectively giving up your own time for, for very, very little in return. So he said... Well, not effectively. You are. We are, we all give yeah. up our own time. He said, for don't, it. he said, don't knock them because, you know, because they're doing it for, you know, for, for financial reasons. It, it's not the case. So, um, yeah, it's... A, but again, he didn't know exactly how he came to be on it rather you know if he was recommended or they invited him or well, Kev, in terms of how what what where do you think the BHA are going to go with this now I mean I think is it not just 101 that they're going to drop this forehand backhand situation for starters um, yeah I'd say it seems extremely likely I was interested with some of the wording in the in the communication that was sent out there before this was announced and it basically it wasn't part of the actual statement, but in some of the notes that followed this, and it was it was strongly insinuated that if um, they rolled back on the backhand forehand restrictions, that they 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 would um, rein in another area, which yeah. to me points to strikes. Like a balance now, they've said yes, exactly yeah. a balance balancing balancing it out to in an, in an, in an effort to achieve their objective, which is quotes a more a more considered and judici- judicious use of the whip for encouragement and improved perception of whip use and look when you when you read when you read the initial results of the consultation and you read a, a little bit between the lines you get the feeling that in the room it was presented right we're gonna we're, we, need, we want to rein in this whip you can essentially we can either go bring in um, a, a restriction with regard to backhand forehand use or or we can reduce the number of strikes and those in the room um, one assumes for potentially the jockeys at the time considered that um, a reduction in strikes would have been the greater of the two and <laughs> the two evils and went down that road and now we're a little bit further down the road and um, some some you know wider concerns have been raised about the, the forehand backhand restrictions and look I, I, I think I, I think they can achieve their objectives here by doing what you know we've been suggesting for a little while and others you know, leave them alone to, to use the whip whichever way they want, backhand or forehand, but just have a have a have a, a stop cap number, be it eight or nine or whatever. And if yeah. you go over that, you're gone. Nice and simple, yeah. um, unbreakable rule. Um, to me, and, and have extremely heavy punishments, obviously, as well as disqualification. And for me, that sorts it out overnight. Nice and simple. Everyone understands it. Um, look, and 
you know, I put my hand up here. I never liked putting a number on it. I, I never thought it was necessary myself. But um, in terms of we have to deal with the situation where you are, they're never going to roll back from a number now. And for me, the most effective way to achieve what they're looking to achieve is hard number disqualification, massive fine, suspension, etc. Rule will never get broken. Quip will never come to anyone's attention ever again. Job done. Job Bob's done. your uncle. Hopefully that is the way it'll go. Job's done. Bob's your uncle. Like it. Um, let's move on. We've still got plenty of stuff to discuss. Um, news in the week about this Danny Brock case. Uh, Kevin, we'll come to you first on this. Uh, Danny Brock, the jockey, is going to be in front of a disciplinary hearing uh, this coming Wednesday, I think it is, um, in regards to alleged breaches of four rules, including relaying inside information and not riding horses to achieve their best possible placing. So essentially stopping horses and inside information, all pretty nasty, pretty bad. And incredibly, uh, one of the races that is under the microscope was a two runner match race at Southern, which, you know, is just absolutely extraordinary. I think it's fair to say um, there's plenty of detail that has come out including the fact that Danny wanted the case to be a private hearing because he was worried for his own personal safety, which is a bit of a uh, major concern, but Kev, um, a pretty dirty case. Is dirty the word? I think it is. Yeah, Dick Francis stuff, really. Um, like, extremely concerning. Like, and geez, uh, has it got as much coverage as it warrants? Like, there's, there's been an abs- a couple of absolute shockers in the UK there in, in the not-too-distant past. Now, for some reason, they just haven't caught fire. Like, this one, for me, like, is, is as concerning a case as there's been for a while. And you go back, I think it was last year. Remember the case with the two lads going into the race course stables at, um, was it Newcastle and Noblin horses? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that kind of Like, real shocker. And, like, it never it never got going. Like, I wrote a column about it, and, right. and no one seemed to, seemed as, you know, as engaged with it as I was. Like, I'm deeply, deeply concerning. And this is some shocker. Like, if anyone, if you're inside in the betting shop and some lad came up to you and said, oh, two runner race coming up here, lads. Jockey and one of them is gonna gonna lock John coming out of the stalls and we can back we can back the fav. You know, you go out would you go away to bed, would you? You know, that's Dick Francis stuff. And yet, allegedly, you know, this this is the sort of scenario that's being painted in front of us here, you know, with, with huge financial sums like talk of you know over 50% of the of the exchange markets being taken up by the guys playing these playing these angles. Um, it's an absolute shocker, and, and like I think only one guy is one guy that's charged has has even turned up. Um, Sean McBride, Charlie McBride's son. You know these people aren't even turning up to be accountable. Um, it's massively concerning. Like you know, I know the early days of the exchanges, there was there was some wild west stuff going on, but in this day and age, you you wouldn't think that that this would be happening to this sort of blatant extent, allegedly. Um, and it's deeply concerning. Like Jesus, it's very difficult to stand up and 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 you know pe- people will 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 there'll always be people that will see the worst side of racing, um, even when it's not necessarily um, justified. But Jesus, who who could stand up and defend this sort of carry on? Like my God, shocker. Tony, did this? I always feel like you're unshockable with cases like this. But were you even a little bit surprised about some of the details that have come out? To be honest with you, I, it caught me by unawares until it put on the running order because I, I knew there was something going on, but I didn't know kind of like the depth of it. So I went back and had a look and, you know, 
if it's even kind of like a tenth true, it's pretty shocking. It remind, uh, when I was reading it last night in preparation for this, just the background, the, the, I immediately thought of um, the farrier, Steve O'Sullivan, uh, back in oh, yeah, where, you know, this is pretty, you know, that, that was as extreme as you get. Uh, even back then, like I said, it was it was a little bit wild west back then, but um, and obviously a lot of lot of trains there, uh, audit trails, etc. Well, in fact, the audit trails were in place then, but yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty shocking. Um, but we're going to have to wait and to see what goes on. But I mean, just just googling and just looking at um, the jockey's uh, background, overall background, use of the whip, etc. Seems uh, he does seem. Uh, a questionable character and it'd be interesting to see actually what comes out of this but you know it, you know we talk about the match rate uh the match bet we did have a question last week and um we didn't include it but i did a, well, go back and answer it and someone just said about because darren yates went on luck on sunday um a couple of shows ago and said our oh, laying is the worst thing that could have ever happened you know in in, in the sport i mean it's an archaic it's an archaic uh, kind of like attitude and it doesn't really doesn't really stand up you know if you stuck me on that sofa I, mean, I could you know just put him right in about a minute but I mean, the, the match bet scenario is it's interesting to see um obviously the match bet there were obviously it's, it's very easy to lay one horse but in a match bet or even a very small field scenario it's very easy to just back the rest of the field so be interesting to see if the bha had access to all bookmakers because obviously if you back one horse, you're effectively laying another in a match bet, and that's the same in you know in in small run of fields. But it'd be interesting to see if all other bookmakers actually just gave up gave up all the information there and opened up their books so you can get a wider picture to actually scale of this. Because what happened on the exchange might just be I wouldn't say yeah. the, tip of the iceberg. It might be just it, it might just they might be just been doing this across the board and. Bookmakers traditionally, since day one, since Betfair started in 2000, they've been very, very reluctant to open up and just say, yeah, it does, you know, it does happen on our on our side as well, but we're not we're not really going to tell you. And um, obviously the first avenue that they have, they'll just shut accounts and all, all related accounts. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how just how wide this is, because uh I'll be I'll be hopeful that all other bookmakers like I said, have, uh, have opened up and said, yeah, there's our information as well. Get to work. Okay. Well, we'll see what comes out of the hearing that I think is going to happen this coming Wednesday. Um, let's move on because a couple of other things to cover before question time. Quick word on the changes to the 2023 flat season kev i know you wanted to cover this um being a bit of uproar about the removal of the free handicap and the winter derby trial as well and what implications that will have to other races and handicaps and etc etc going forward um but the fact that changes are being made to the flat pattern it has to be a positive this is the start of the change isn't it yeah like really encouraged really encouraged by this now um, and uh, this is just that's just the start of it. I think there's going to be another announcement this week about further stakes races that the BHA are, are voluntarily um, taking off their program for 2023. 
um, in light of look what, what we're always talking about, you know, small field issues, too many race issues. And it takes, it, it's a big punchy move now to remove. Um, I think it's going to be in the region of 10 stakes races voluntarily. Like that just doesn't really happen. Like normally, and as was alluded to earlier, I'm on the, the Irish Pattern Committee. And like normally you're, you're fighting tooth and nail to keep your stakes races, you know. So for them to, to give up 10 um, reflects really well. Um, and is re- a really positive start for them. And one hopes that the, on the National Hunt side that they take a similar attitude to it. Um, uh, I thought I had to giggle now because w- when this was announced, I just thought this was just, this is just classic racing. This is just, especially racing Twitter. This is classic racing Twitter. Everyone has been gone for, for so long about too many races, small fields, absolute load of rubbish. And then they actually go and make a tough decision and get rid of a race like the free handicap. And a, and a whole load of people are rear up. How did you get rid of the free handicap? Good horses won it all the time 40 years ago. Oh, the history. Oh, how dare they? How can these fellas be in charge of the sport? Free one race at Leicester. <laughs> oh, incredible stuff. But but this is what you're up against. You know, you're up against it. But look, they've done the right thing. Um, and I and I joke look, the, the history of the sports important, etc. I'm jesting, but um I think I th- I'm almost certain the free handicap was the oh was the only um the only stakes handicap in the whole British and Irish program, you know, so it was a bit of an aberration as it was a, a standout. So um look, these decisions can be tough. Fair play to them. I hope it's the the start of, of more to come, um, particularly with, with regard to National Hunt. Um, and I think it and it's certain I know it certainly did we had the, the Irish flat pattern committee last uh, meeting last week and it certainly focused everyone's minds and it will do around around Europe. Like this, this does represent a, a, a you know leading from the front, and you know I think there, there was a view that you know maybe we won't be fighting as hard to keep races that aren't performing, and look to the greater good of the pattern. And if a race is, if the results of a race are telling you this doesn't have a place, you know maybe just let it go, let it go, um, for for the betterment of the program. Let it go. Uh, just just very quickly uh, before we move, I'm assuming the race courses are, are bought into this as well then. They'd have to, yeah. Like, look, there'll be other, there'll be other ramifications as well. You know, it's going to be, it'll be a lot more, be a lot more prize money put back in the pot to go elsewhere, etc. That's a consideration, but um, it, it's a punchy thing to do now. Um, very punchy, and I suspect that for, 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 for the people that are rearing up about the free handicap, I suspect there'll be a fair more bit of rearing up this week. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but there you go. In a nutshell, fair play to them. Fair play to them. Um, Tony, we've also got on the running order, Barry has put on the running order, Constitution Hill running in the Betfair hurdle. He wants the campaign to start now. <laughs> it's off the back of a discussion where Nicky Henderson said that there was nowhere to run his horse except, I think it was at the Haydock uh, champion hurdle trial between New Year and the Cheltenham Festival, in which people were saying, well, there is the Betfair hurdle and he'd scoot in in that. Um, the chance of this happening are about a million to one, but Barry would like us to start the campaign now. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, we did have a question about Nicky Henderson about what he said, the Irish trade <laughs> ducking ducking each other at the Dublin Racing Festival and over Christmas. Yeah. I took that out because I thought Blake's, <laughs> Blake's head was just <laughs> you, just have to, you just have to laugh. And given we didn't you know, want rank 69 about Nicky Henderson <laughs> in 2022, Kevin, I thought I'll take it out to protect his sanity. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Constitution Hill is an honor mark of 173, and obviously, nearly everything else would be out of the hand again. But, but I did look back at it, and um, we have had uh, a recent example, well, a recent 1997, I think it was, Make a Stand won the Betford Heard, what was then, well, the previous, the previous uh, mm-hmm. incarnation of the Betford Hurdle. Make a Stand won it by nine lengths of 140, uh, and then a month later went back to win the champion hurdle be in theatre world by five lengths a month later. So it has got some kind of history, but obviously um, a champion- We're clutching at straws here. We're clutching at straws. No, 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 I'm, I'm just- uh, Well, like he'd win <laughs> and he'd probably win well. And afterwards he'd be like the highest rated herder of all time. There's, there's, um, no, there's no barrier to, ent- uh, to ratings running in that handicap, no? No. no, like no, no upper limit. No, 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 no. no. Oh yeah, he would, he would win. But it's, a, it's about the most un-Nicky Henderson thing to do in the history of the world. So I just think we're talking about pigs flying before we see Constitution Hill running a quite, quite possibly, yeah. Just Still though, it's, it's nice to dream. It's nice to dream. We will start the campaign. Well, Come on, Nicky. Campaign. <laughs> Um, let's move on because we're doing, as Tony mentioned at the top of the show, we're doing questions a bit differently, giving this a go. Uh, we've got loads of questions in as normal, but instead of doing them all quickly, we've picked out five of the best ones and we're going to give them a little bit more time, hopefully. I would say I've answered the rest already. So we're recording this at nine o'clock on Monday morning, but I have answered all the rest already. Yeah. So let's kick off with Steve Tilly, who's asked, British horse racing has many different facts. Factions. Factions. Sorry, hang on. Because the colouring on your jumper is exactly the same as your dog. I know, matching. Sorry, I had to just zoom in on my fucking, on my email. <laughs> <laughs> the old, getting a bit closer to the computer. British horse racing has many factions. Jockeys. <laughs> Race courses, owners, bookmakers, BHA, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you had to hand, if you had to hand control a British racing to just one faction only, who would you pick, Kevin? As, as, as we've seen in the last week, the jockeys have got all the power. Give it to the jockeys. Uh, <laughs> who would you give it to? I, ironically, if you gave it to the betting public. <laughs> <laughs> There'd probably be gross improvements all over the shop, which is hilariously depressing because they're probably the most, un- there would be the most underrepresented interest group of the whole lot, you know? And, and the, like many of their interests would align with the interests of the other groups. But um, yeah, I, 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 give, it, give it to the horse racing betters forum. I'll yeah, um... tell you what, it wouldn't be too bad. It was wow. uh, it's quite. If you go by each group, it's quite fascinating what kind of state the uh, the industry would be in if uh, one was in overall control. But unfortunately, the BHA is probably the right answer, isn't it? Well, you're saying the BHA, Tony, out of those options. Yeah, you'd have to, wouldn't you? And you're well, saying you wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't you wouldn't give it to the trainers or the owners or the jockeys or the race courses or the BHA. Definitely not the race courses. <laughs> So yeah, you're definitely what a game, Lance. What a game. <laughs> I don't know if that's answered Steve's question the way he thought that it might be answered. He knew the answer was none of the above. Don't get don't get me wrong. Okay, well, um, Rock Ridge has asked, and again, these are quite depressing questions you picked up. Surprisingly, me picking out the depressing questions. These questions just represent 
Calvin's world, you know, <laughs> yeah. Tony, say, Tony says earlier, oh, well, on my timeline, everyone thinks the Tories are basically, is, no, is done I completely fantastic. <laughs> my fault, he's going to like, self-obsessed, is he? Your cynical, out. cynical audience. Yeah. Um, Rock Ridge has asked, do you think racism is sowing the seeds for its demise? <laughs> to little interest to a much bigger green lobby the youth of today will be the decision makers outside racing in the- kevin always beats this drum this is why i put it in because <laughs> you all said this you know race uh, national racing won't be anywhere in oh, 10 oh don't don't get me wrong tony Wait, i'm in your echo you. chamber i'm there <laughs> in your I'm echo there chamber <laughs> We're, we're, well, we're, in the, we're in the same cave on this one echoing over <laughs> so you think you, to answer Rockridge's question you think that racing is sowing the seeds for its demise <laughs> say, right. yeah I look the seeds are already in the ground aren't they it's just a case of how much water they get given um, to be brutally honest uh, you know, particularly with jumps racing, you know, I've, I've said said it for a while, like I'd be, I'd be deeply concerned, I would say it laughing because I'm so serious, um, like that you would be very concerned about jump racing kind of, you know, in the in the medium term, for sure, um, because that's just the way the world is going, lads, you can't go, you know, look what happened, um, you know, SeaWorld. You know, circus animals. You know, it's uh, it's. Uh, I know it might it might seem a bit of a a bit of a reach, but anything involving animals uh, has just found themselves in this landslide of, of negativity. And then there's a natural, you know, when you're dealing with a landslide, it keeps going down the hill and kind of racing is, it's a long way down the hill, but you know, we're, we're going to start getting hit more by it. And um, when it does come and the scrutiny increases, it'll be jumps racing that it, get, that it gets to first. And then it'll be, it'll be flat racing. Um, slightly depressing, but it's, it's, a, it's a bigger picture we, that we shouldn't be losing sight of because um, it is a, existential thing you know it mightn't happen for a couple of decades but it is common no question i imagine that 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 um question had its seeds in in the recent obviously the whip mess the recent whip mess where no for sure highlight, so I mean, we have we've had we have enough problems that didn't need highlighting actually mm. coming back with the animal stuff uh, we had a, a a local circus we had a circus uh near here recently and i said to somebody went along she said what animals were there he said none yeah, I'm nearly certain they're banned. I no, don't think no, circuses are allowed of animals. Well, you can. I went to a circus recently that had horses. So you can have. I don't think animals are completely banned. But can't like, have exotic animals. You know, you know, my mum's sister ran away with the local circus elephant trainer when it came to town. How about that for? Uh, a you have a big yeah, truck. <laughs> Tony, that is oh. so bad. <laughs> <laughs> They ran away. The circus came to town. There was an elephant trainer. And my mum's sister met the elephant trainer, fell madly in love, and she ran away with the elephant trainer from the circus. So there you go. Off she went with a trumpety trump, trump, trump. (laughs) Quite, Tony. Uh, That's a side note there. Dean Thomas. <laughs> are the racing on board with the general view that there is too much racing and the schedule needs amending? All I've seen on Twitter for the last week and a half is people complaining the frost has resulted in abandonments of cards, Tony. Well, it's it. Yeah, on, Tony, like, I, I, like I said, this was, it made me think actually that obviously everyone in the media, everyone, in, everyone involved in the sport said, oh, there's too much racing. Now, does that filter down to the average Joe in the betting shop that wants to, you know, have a bet here, there and everywhere? 
I know we we shouldn't be saying stuff like that at the moment, but it did make me think whether you know the industry people are actually representative of the punters in the betting shop. And we've done any analysis of what actually you know the punters on the ground think. It did make it, it did um, it did make me wonder. Well, I think the I think the racing public or the betting public are happy with with a volume of racing, but they prefer a volume of competitive racing. You know, I think that the consequence of too much racing is that we don't have enough horses. And it, it leads to, you know, Mickey Mouse races with small, with, you know, odds on fabs and a small number of runners. I think if you had the same number of races with, you know, I don't know, 50% double the number of horses in the country, um, I don't think there'd be as much complaints about the volume. Um, the purists might want a little bit less, certainly on big days, but um, I think it's the uncompetitive racing that people, that everyone can agree isn't, um, isn't desirable. Yeah, yeah I think... Oh, we- great devil's advocate bit there, but it did make me think whether, you know... We just uh, all agree as one, but don't look at other people. Yeah, no, it's a good question. And I think Kev's, I, I'd be with Kev that people love a load of racing if it's super competitive. Yeah. Um, Bez Blakeman, do you think that's his real name? Bez Blakeman. Solid has, name. Yeah. Tony, you can have this one to start with. Would you be in favour of the tote taking over off-course bookmaking, all off-course bookmaking? Seems the only way UK horse racing can survive in the long term. It's We, we, get, this from, we get this from trainers and owners, don't we? So, oh, you know, if we had a tote monopoly like France, et cetera, we'd be in a much better position. Yeah, but you just can't, you know, there's something, you know, there's laws. You know, you can't just say to businesses, oh, uh, we've decided to change. You can wrap up now. It doesn't really work like that. Now, obviously, the the tote through the whirlpool, etc. They they're trying to they're trying to kind of like um, you know generate some interest in in their betting medium, um, and obviously by you know matching SP plus ten percent. I don't know how that's going. Um, you know, it's maybe you know maybe we do an update there about you know the the interest that's generating just as we're waiting for. Great British racing to come back with everyone's turfs kind of like, uh, you know, success or not. <laughs> but I, I think the basic premise of people in this country, maybe I think we maybe have gone too far down the line, uh, you know, away from the, the tote uh, angle, because for a punter, I want to know what price I'm getting. And I can do that by a number of sources, fixed odds, exchange, etc. But at the time of bet placement, I know what odds I'm getting. And obviously you can't do that with a tote. You can put any guarantees in place as you want. But, you know, if I'm if I'm only, you know, getting a guarantee of SP, if I'm not beating SP in nearly every single bet I have, then I'm going to be a losing punter and, and I'm just going to walk away from, from that situation. So, yeah, it's a very idealistic um, scenario we probably would be in a much better position with that because we see for every racing jurisdiction around the world, but you just can't wind the clock back. It's for people to say that they want that. It's fine, but it's not going to happen. So just move on. Okay. Anything to add, Kev? No, I think, look, we, there was decisions made back in the 1960s, I think it was, and uh, and that, that kind of sealed the long-term fate, financial fate of the thing. Um, most countries made what proved to be a good decision, sticking with um, tote monopolies, etc. Um, Britain and Ireland went a different direction. Um, that's created like a highly competitive, uh, varied betting product. Um, but, you know, most of the profits end up in private hands. 
um, rather than getting back into the business, which is um, which is what has led to many of the financial struggles we have in, in this neck of the woods, I'm afraid. Okay. And then finally, Andrea Hymas has asked two questions. Um, here are two questions. When are you going to campaign for a minimum bet guarantee law in the UK as bookie restrictions are a joke? And then her second question is, when are you going to talk about ridiculous affordability checks, which are affecting myself and many punter mates? Yeah, regards minimum bet guarantee. Um, Jeez, how many years ago is now? I was on this every week for about three years at one point. Um, when Australia started bringing them in, they started being brought in in a couple of states in Australia. And there finally seemed to be a big push for it, certainly in the media, in this neck of the woods. And, and and there has been, you know, some bookmakers have brought in various minimum bet guarantees across in certain circumstances over those years. Um, but unfortunately, there was never a wider push for it. And, and it didn't happen. And I'm afraid it's probably highly unlikely to happen now across the industry for the simple reason that how could the government entertain a minimum bet guarantee at the same time that they're they're you know pushing affordability checks and trying to rein in problem gambling etc you know the two of them while we might understand the difference between the two you know that's a very difficult sell to a to a wider audience so i think if it was gonna happen it probably would have happened five six seven years ago um it's unfortunate we don't we'd all love it of course but um, I don't think it's ever going to be widely brought in like it has been in Oz, where there's kind of a there's a different mentality down down in Australia, a lot more punter power, and uh, yeah, I'm afraid I don't think we're ever going to get it. No, it's um, obviously some bookmakers do. I think Betfair offer a minimum five hundred quid takeout after ten a.m. Uh, each day, and, and other other bookmakers do that as well. Um, I haven't got them offhand, but they do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not sold on, well, I don't think it's ever going to happen to any meaningful degree um, across the industry. As regards the, um, the other issue that was, uh, that was raised there about affordability checks. Now, I got absolutely pelters about, and I'll tell you what it was, it was around about the time of the um, Grand National. I, there was this, this discussion has been going on for ages. Uh, and I said, I've got no qualms whatsoever about giving all my information to any bookmakers who want to know about it. Now, um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, one, I'll, I'll give you a personal example. And don't get me wrong, affordability checks, the stories you're hearing now are totally off the scale bad. But I think the attitude and the media coverage is so one way on this. I think it's counterproductive now. You know, Neil Channing's on race, racing TV, luck on Sunday, all the time about this. I don't think ever presents a balanced attitude. I think the racing posts are totally counterproductive in the way they they position this because they never give the other side of the argument. So, so I don't have any, any problems with that. But what I would say is when I, one bookmaker in April suspended my account out of the blue, and they said, we're going to give you a call in within an hour. And I was actually going for some treatment that day uh, during the Grand National, and so I missed the call. It took me nine days. It took me about 20 emails. I was uh, ringing everybody uh, that I knew in the industry to get in touch with his bookmaker to actually ring me. It took me nine days to actually get them to actually ring me, and I sorted it out within 10 minutes once they rang me. It even got to the point whereby my, my last correspondence said I was literally going to uh, ring up uh, my lawyer to say, look, 
send these send these people uh, a letter so they can get in touch with me. So it's you know it, it is a massive issue. But uh, personally, I don't have any issue with giving up my finance financial records. But a lot of people do. But it's a massive. You know, we, we've we've read this week that there's um, eight hundred million pound shortfall uh, in the amount bet and a forty million pound, you know, resulting levy um, in the black hole as well. So it's a it's a big issue for the sport. But um, I don't know what the issue is because obviously the gambling gambling commission hold the hold the, hold the upper hand here. It's worrying. It's worrying. But like personally, someone asked me for my details. I'll give them. And I have done. Yeah, you, you just hope that some common sense prevails um, when this this white paper you know, eventually comes out. You, you'd be worried. Uh, you'd be worried. Um, and it could be like a proper. I know it's, it's been said by many. There's plenty of people are very um, involved in this and the coverage of it like it is. If, if this went the wrong way. Like God, it could represent a massive. We we talk about kind of problems in racing their programs and what have you. Like this could be the biggest problem of a whole lot, and it probably doesn't get as much coverage uh, more widely as it should. Because if it goes the wrong way, like betting on racing will will go through the floor because it's linked, um, you know, at the hip with the finance of racing through the levy. Like that could be disastrous. You know, an already bad situation could be made calamitous. Well, let's fingers crossed, as you say, a bit of common sense does eventually prevail in this regard. Um, But that brings the curtain down on our show, guys. We hope you've enjoyed the new way we've done the questions. Do get in contact with us. We like a bit of feedback. Uh, We will be back with Racing Only Better. When, Tony? Are we doing on the 23rd, I think, in the afternoon after the decks earlier that day? There you go, 23rd for a bit of Christmas racing action. So do stay tuned for the latest episode of Racing Any Better. But in the meantime, thank you very much to the boys and thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the week. Run up to Christmas is on. Have a good one. Mm